Imagine, if you will, being as talented as I am at such a young age, 17, 18, 19 years old, a savant. Some people would say a savant. I'm not so egotistical that I would use that word, but some do. And imagine just being able just to to see something that makes you feel something, to see, to meet someone who makes you feel something, and to be able to so eloquently express that feeling through song and verse. It truly is a talent, it truly is a gift, one that most of you will never know. I'm sure a lot of you are good at certain things like, I don't know, um, HTML or JavaScript. Maybe some of you are good at getting or finding discount codes online. Um, it's just different being an artist. And I, I'm sure one or two of you can kind of understand it, but most of you can't. So I, I'll just leave that whole conversation there and talk about uh, another thing that I'm incredibly good at better at than most of you, which is fantasy football. And already I can see some of your sad, pathetic faces, scoffing, rolling your eyes, pretending that you are something that you are not and that I am not something that I am. And that's fine. I would just simply remind each and every one of you listening to this podcast that as a two-time back-to-back champion of this league, it was never the traditional route to glory and victory that I took. I would always take the road less traveled, the more difficult route, route, route. I'm not scared of doing that. I embrace it. It's fun for me. The grind, as I've mentioned before in previous episodes of this podcast, it gives me far more, far, far more satisfaction to sit in the shadows for most of the season to spring up come playoff time 
and then to bitch slap every single person in my way. Every person who's blocking the road to the championship that is rightfully mine. And I'm excited to do this again. Yes, I sit two and one. Yes, the amount of points that I've scored has not been great, but that's okay because I'm just treading water at this point, waiting in the wings for the right ad, for the right trade, for the right player already on my roster to pop off and to show their full potential that I believe that they have. Inevitably, some of you will listen to this and think to yourself, well, this cements it. I'm not going to trade with Josiah. I don't want to be the person who allows him to pillage my roster and to use that in an effort to get him to the playoffs and ultimately to the championship that we all know that he is going to get. And so you'll be hesitant when you see a trade offer from me. You'll be hesitant when you're looking to improve your roster and you look up and down everybody else's. And then you get to mine and you say, that guy makes sense to trade for, but I don't want to be on the wrong side of a trade with Josiah. Your fear, your cowardice, will ultimately lead to your demise. You will not risk it for that biscuit. And that's why most of you that are listening to this podcast right now have never won this league, or probably any league. Unless your mothers and your mother-in-laws are involved in said league. Just know this. The passive fantasy football player never wins. It's the aggressor. The aggressor is the one that has a chance at greatness. I will quickly and briefly and succinctly address the negative comments, the dissenting opinions of those who mocked a trade this past week that I made with Austin Atkins. Austin Atkins, great team, by the way. Excellent squad. A couple of those people whose last names shall remain nameless but begin with C and end with Bet are currently sitting below me in the standings at one and two. One of them laughably said, oh my God, Josiah, if you had only waited one more week, I would have offered you Miles fucking Sanders and a wide receiver to be named later for Darren Waller. As if that was some kind of dig at me or a method of making me feel foolish or stupid. Um, I've, I've looked at your roster and I just don't see that many guys that I have any interest in acquiring 
on my team. But thank you, though, for the uh, too little, too late offer, Jordan. And the reigning champion, Dylan. Bless you, son. I sit here today and I smile. I mean, it didn't surprise me at all due to your lack of creativity that you went back to the well for Joe Mixon. Um, I imagine that during the draft you were prepared and ready and focused and yet you still ended up with a wide receiver group, uh, or I'm sorry, <laughs> a running back group that is less than sexy. I think the really scary thing is that you probably sat in that lower bull of Arrowhead Stadium this past Sunday watching Daryl Williams and LaShawn McCoy do everything that Damian Williams is capable of doing and thought to yourself, oh dear God, what have I done? How could I, how could I have invested so much in a player who is so similar to the talent that's on this roster here in Kansas City? And so you're relegated to starting Joe Mixon on a really bad Pengals team who also is prone to in injury, as we know. But that's okay. I mean, your, your bench depth is good, right? Because you, you do have Rex Burkhead, who's in a disgusting timeshare of running backs in New England. But I guess at the same time, you, you do have Matt Breida. And I mean, but he, he's the lead. Oh, no. He's in a disgusting timeshare in San Francisco with Tevin Coleman potentially coming back this week. That makes four running backs that Shanahan likes to use in San Francisco. God, you are actually... I'm sorry. I, on initial glance, I thought you were pretty good with your running back depth, but between Damian, Rex, and Brita, and Mixon, and I guess uh, <laughs> Chris Thompson, things might not be as solid as you might have thought. And you're probably thinking to yourself right now, Joke's on you, Josiah. Did you even look at the stats? I think Chris Thompson was probably pretty good pickup for me. Maybe. But if um, you're trying to repeat as a fantasy champion, as... Hold on, let me check real quick. Oh, yeah. If you're trying to repeat as a fantasy champion, as only I have done in this league and you're resting 
on the idea that Chris Thompson's going to lead you there? My friend, you are in for a bad time. A very bad time. But you've got Julio, you've got Kenny, you've got just an excellent tight end. Will Disley, oh, so good. Jesus, I mean, he's really good. Oh, he's actually not. He sneaks some touchdowns in at the end of games, like last week when there was no time left on the clock and the Seahawks had already lost the game and he scores a touchdown. No, I mean, like, yeah, sure. I like, I, yeah, I would want to start him every week. That sounds good. Maybe you could throw the guy on the bench in. Who's that guy? Um, oh, well, yeah, uh, Demetrius Harris. That sounds like a sound, like a sound game plan. Hmm, who do I start, Disley or Demetrius Harris? They're both so good. How do I choose which one to throw in there? I mean, come on. You're basically throwing a dart to see which one of them is going to score a touchdown. But hey, your wide receivers are pretty good. I mean, you got Julio and Kenny Galladay. That's the strength of your team. You've got Larry Fitzgerald in your flex. I mean, that's, that's good. You've got Allen Robinson, who I really like. I think he's going to be good this year on the whole. You have Jarvis Landry, who, I don't know, like maybe Baker will start completing passes. Maybe Jarvis will catch a couple of those. You know, we'll, we'll just have to see. You know, Demarcus Robinson's obviously a guy that's worth sticking in the starting lineup until Hill comes back. But then, at that point, do you really want to gamble that he's going to catch a touchdown every week? Or are you going to be satisfied with the 11 points that he's going to get you as a Chiefs third receiver and fourth option? I mean, I guess what I'm saying is And this is saying something. Between the two Corbett brothers, I think you guys are tied for the worst Corbett brother. Because like <laughs> let's just take a look, let's just take a moment to look at Jordan's roster. Who is I mean, ask him. Uh, a fantasy expert knows quite a bit has some very strong opinions strong takes let's take a look at his uh, his roster i mean his wide receiver group on paper by god looks pretty good odell beckham adam thielen robert woods jesus christ i mean marvin jones jr had a huge catch this last week and put up a good number it's a great bench it's a great bench wide receiver to have. Maybe Golden Tate and Daniel Jones become, you know, the next Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison. John Brown, big play threat. I mean, it all looks really good on paper. But to me, it looks like you have two guys, maybe three guys, that you can't help but start every single week. And one out of those three guys puts up a big game and the other two totally and completely shit their pants while one of the three guys that are sitting on your bench have a massive game and can't help you 
because they're just looking up at the starting lineup and saying, Jordan, why didn't you start me, my friend? What were you thinking? And then aside from that, I mean, you know, you're out here with Jameis Winston as your starting quarterback. And by God, <clears throat> Jordan, bless you. I know you listen to a lot, of, a lot of podcasts. I'm sure you read a couple of articles as long as the words aren't too big for you to understand in the preseason. And you probably thought to yourself, look at all these weapons around Jameis Winston. Bruce Arians is coming in. He's the quarterback whisperer. He can whip this guy into shape. In the first couple of weeks, not so great. This past week, he puts up a, a really good game. I think, what, something like 30 points. But are you really willing to ride that wave? Are you really willing for the entire season to roll with Jameis? where you get a game with 12 points and then a game with 32 points and then a game with 15 points and then a game with 28 points. Is that a recipe for success? As a guy who's never won this league before, do you feel good about hanging your hat on Jameis as your starting quarterback? Or every single week, are you scouring the waiver wire? Are you scouring the bench of other teams looking for somebody who can offer you some modicum of consistency? And you probably think to yourself, fuck you, Josiah. I've got Le'Veon Bell. My running backs aren't as bad as you might make them out to be, Josiah. I also have James White. I've got Miles Sanders, who, <laughs> if you just waited a week, I would have traded you for, for Darren Waller. And I've got Malcolm Brown. I mean, can you imagine if Gurley goes down with an injury? How amazing Malcolm Brown will be on my team. I can't imagine it. Because I've been watching the Rams this year. Not awesome. Not spectacular. Don't forget about Daryl Anderson. Anyway, I guess... I can move on from that. I don't want to spend forever on two teams that are going to miss the playoffs this year. We can talk more about what's going on in the league with some good teams. Like, uh, hey, let's talk about John Todd's team. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm totally kidding. But, look, yeah, let's talk about some teams that have winning records um, or have, like, won a game. So uh, let's start from the bottom of the good teams and then work our way back up uh, to the creme de la creme, if you will. That's French. And um, we'll start with uh, the worst good team, which would be mine. Listen, I'm egotistical, but I can acknowledge when I've got work to do, okay? Like, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, like, look out for Josiah's team. He is the team to beat right now. No, 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 no. I'm in the conversation 
right? Like, I'm a team that needs to, you all need to be eyeballing, right? Like, if you have a shrewd eye, you can, you can look at my roster and be like, well, if a couple things break right, he might be a little bit tough to beat down the road. Of course, the more cynical of you and the people who hate seeing me succeed will look at my roster and say things like, ha ha, there's no way that he's going to stay in the, in the green. This guy's destined for a sub-500 record. Ha <laughs> ha, he's going to miss the playoffs. Well, you know, that's why none of you all ever win this league, because you always take the short-term vantage point, and that's fine. But let's go ahead and start with me, my team, my squad, if you will. You know, I took a gamble. I usually don't go uh, quarterback as early as I did this year. Of course, I was a little distracted during the draft, but I'm not going to talk about that. I'm over that. It's fine. It's totally cool. Um, but the result of that was a quarterback wide receiver stack that I think will have weeks, multiple weeks that win me matchups. And that is my stack of Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams. You know, <clears throat> When you look at the raw numbers, it doesn't look good. You think like, Aaron, I think, has finally hit the downslope of his career. He's in a new offense, and I just don't think he's going to be the guy that we thought that he was going to be. But if you look at the matchups, the first three weeks, I mean, what a brutal schedule. You had the Bears, you had the Vikings. It was tough defenses that he was going against and basically and with a new offense like he, he's basically looking at you know hey h- how do I make sure that we get from the beginning of this game to the end of this game with more points than the other um, and get ourselves a victory you know you know uh, he goes against Denver um, you know at home and they've got two really good pass rushers and their game plan prevented Denver from getting home and getting any kind of quarterback pressure or sacks. You know, he didn't turn the ball over, but they've got a good secondary, and he wasn't able to, you know, push the ball downfield and get the ball in the hands of Devontae Adams as much as you might like. But that said, I mean, he put up more passing yards than he had in the pre- previous two games. He came out of the game with uh, one touchdown, I think. We can all anticipate him him getting you know more than one touchdown throw in games coming up in the future. Um, he still hasn't turned the ball over, and well, he had one fumble um, back in the Minnesota game. But for the most part, he's been pretty good in that regard. He he's been an average starting quarterback in fantasy football. Like, if I had to throw money down, is Aaron Rodgers going to finish in the top seven to ten quarterbacks in fantasy football this year, or is he going to finish outside of the top ten? I'm going to take the former, and I feel good about it, especially with Devontae Adams, who really hasn't even been all that involved yet. Tough matchups, good cornerbacks that he's gone up against. When you look at their schedule, there are some soft spots coming up in the next five to six weeks, and I'm very excited about both Rodgers and Adams' feasting 
um, in those situations. And I think that that's going to help my team out immensely. And then you look outside of that, it's like, who is this shrewd dude who looked at the Chargers' offensive situation and said, well, if Melvin Gordon isn't going to be playing football at the beginning of this year, who's going to touch the rock out of the backfield for those Chargers? Who is that guy who was smart enough, cunning enough, to grab not only Austin Eckler, but also his backup, Justin Jackson? Oh, it should be no surprise to any of you that that was me. And to this point, I think we can all agree that uh, Austin Eckler's looked pretty saucy. Going into this third week, he was the number one running back in PPR. He did fall down to number three. (laughs) I know. I was a little bit stressed about it, too. I was like, oh, my God, he must be falling off a cliff. But we're talking about a guy who also fumbled on the goal line in week two, who very easily could have had a touchdown. Situations happen in football. Sometimes the ball just pops out. Whatever. I feel pretty freaking good about him as my uh, RB1 going forward. I'm pretty confident as he goes to Miami this next week that he's going to put up a really nice day. And then you've got Sony Michelle, and Sony's been disappointing uh, numbers-wise. You know, he's been saved by a couple of touchdowns here and there, but if you really look at it, if you really dig into it and who the Patriots are, as the year goes on, every single season, their offensive line starts off a little bit shaky, but they get better as the year progresses, and the running game gets better as the year progresses. We all know that the last couple of weeks have been odd for them with the Antonio Brown situation. But things are starting to settle now. James White comes back this week from um, his wife birthing a baby. I, I still don't understand why you miss a football game when you're not the one pushing a child out of your cervix, but whatever. Um, I guess he wanted to be there. I actually think that that helps Sony Michelle with AB being gone now. We know what we know what this backfield is. Everybody pretends like it's some kind of like albatross. Everybody pretends that like Rex Burkhead's going to come in and be this like wrecking ball of fantasy production, but I, I just don't believe that. I believe that this offense has very defined, very specific roles for each of their players, and. When their offense is humming, they execute those things over the course of 16 games in the regular season. And that means that, despite the slow start, Sonny Michelle is going to lead this team in rushing touchdowns. And by that I mean he's going to have some games where he has three rushing touchdowns. He's going to end the season with double-digit rushing touchdowns. It's a foregone conclusion. James White will get his passes out of the backfield. James White will finish with eight touchdowns total, whatever. That's fine. Um, But Michelle has a role on on this high-powered, incredibly efficient offense, and he's going to produce. 
you know, like I'll, I'll ride and die with the, uh, you know, 56 yards and a score um, production that he has had the first few games of the season because eventually he's going to pop one off. You know, it really takes, you know, one, one big play for him to go from having, you know, an 11-point game to having a 22-point game. And I think that that's in the cards for him. So I feel good about my running back situation. Is it the best in the league? God, no. But it's serviceable. It'll play. And every single week, you may be looking at your matchup if you play against me and say, like, I am 48% confident that I'm going to beat Josiah by 30 points. But on the other side of that, Josiah could also beat you by 50 points because of my running back situation. Like, plain and simple. And what's hilarious is that I haven't even talked about my wide receivers yet, short of Devontae Adams. <clears throat> because I'm sitting here with Juju Smith-Schuster, who's only played one and a half games with Mason Rudolph. And as the Steelers figure out what the offense looks like with a new quarterback at the helm, it's only going to get better for Juju. Okay? Like, I'm a believer in the talent. So... It hasn't been super excellent um, since Roethlisberger went bit, went down. I mean, he was saved last week by a big touchdown um, catch and run that he had. But that's the kind of player that he is. Like, he's capable of popping one off. And I, I really believe that Pittsburgh, you know, especially, like, look at, look at this upcoming week against Cincinnati. It's a terrible defense. Like, if you're going to sit here and tell me that Mason Rudolph isn't going to target him, you know, more than 10 times, I really think you're wrong because he gets open. He's really good at getting open. They're really good at scheming him open because they want the ball in Juju's hands because he's a freaking playmaker. So that is noise. And we all, like, if you watched the Monday Night Football game last week, or yesterday, I guess, I should say, uh, Brandon Cooks is... Like, listen, I, I, I love Cooper Cup. I love Robert Woods. And when you look at last season, you know, um, Robert Woods was a fantasy winner. I mean, he was awesome, and he, and he is awesome. He's got great hands. He's a good route runner. Um, Cooper Cup, he is basically a tight end who doesn't block. He gets all those clear-out routes. Uh, he's got great hands. Um, the Rams love to get him isolated and wide open. Um, by way of scheming, which results in a ton of PPR points because he catches a ton of balls underneath. And he's a good enough athlete that he, he's capable of making a guy miss and then breaking off an extra 10, 15 yards whenever he catches the rock. He's a good football player. But Brandon Cooks is a way better football player than Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. And over the course of the season, that will be made to be seen he can beat guys over the top because he's got good speed he's got borderline elite speed he's got excellent hands he's an incredible route runner i mean when you when you look back at like how his career started you know hey yeah i'm in uh i'm in new orleans i'm playing with uh drew Brees. um i put up these gaudy numbers but the saints you know look at him and they're like yeah we're not gonna pay you money you know we got michael thomas 
and uh, we think you might be more of a flash in the pan. You don't have the size, you know, you don't have the intangibles that we're looking for. So, hey, we're going to send you to New England. New England gets him for a year. He puts up top 10 fantasy numbers again. And they look at him and they're like, yeah, you just don't have the size. You don't have the intangibles we're looking for. We're going to send you over to, uh, to L.A. You're going to go play with the Rams. And Sean McVay's like, bless you, Bill Belichick. Thank you so much. I have two other high-end wide receivers on my team. And now you gave me this disgusting weapon that I can use on the outside. I can use in the screen game. I can use on the sweep game. And if he's isolated one-on-one, I know that my quarterback's always going to have him open, like wide open, because he's borderline uncoverable. So throwing that bad boy in my flex feels pretty fucking good. And I'm enjoying it thoroughly, and I will continue to enjoy it thoroughly. He may have a couple of games where he scores 11 points. I'll ride with that. That's fine. Because there are also going to be games where he's just the guy that gets all the targets, who breaks the tackle and makes huge plays. And, you know, I mean, shoot. Like, if you look at his overall production so far this year, I mean, what's there not to like as, like as a flex player? Like most of you would love to have him as your wide receiver too. Sitting in my flex, he's been able to manage nearly 17 points in week two and then 20 points in week three after an abysmal week one. But that's fine because week one's weird. And he's done it in two different ways. Like in week two... He puts up 17 points and he didn't even score a touchdown, or he scored a touchdown, but you know didn't put up as as many catches or yards. And the last night he didn't get into the end zone, but he just was the the target hog. They li- Cleveland could not cover him last night. He was open all of the time. You know, I was paying ple- special attention to that game because you've got like like I was facing Jordan, who had Odell and Robert Woods to go, who could have beat me. Um, if one or both of those guys had really popped off. But by the end of the second quarter, you know, I'm going into halftime thinking like, okay, well, obviously the game plan is let's just pepper Cooks with targets because the Browns can't cover him and they don't seem to want to adjust to how open he is all of the time tonight. So if you just stack up the talent of those three wide receivers in LA, if you had to choose one of those three dudes to put on your roster, I feel pretty freaking good about having Brandon Cooks. That guy always seems to finish in the top 12 wide receivers in fantasy production, especially in PPR. So I love having him. I love having him in the flex. I love having him as a third option in my wide receiver group. I am stacked at that position. Um, well, since I've already talked about myself uh, for a number of minutes, let's dig into everybody who's above me in the standings. There's only a handful. Most people are below me, but let's look at the guys who, to this point, have upped their game to a level that is better than Josiah. Let's start with uh, Bryce. Uh, Bryce, obviously, um, 
infamously had one of the most solid drafts. You know, he woke up early, he prepared, um, and he executed his draft to put himself in a position to be very effective this year. He should be celebrated for this. And by celebrated, I do in fact mean we should recognize that his team was completely auto-drafted, and it is what it is. If he wins the league, this is what we all get, and he deserves any money that comes his way. Let's set that aside and just look at the, the merits of the roster, right? Somehow, Bryce has won more games than he's lost after starting Baker freaking Mayfield, uh, who looks like absolute garbage. The Browns look terrible. We can, we can wax poetic as much as we want um, about what we believe that team would be based off of the talent on the offensive side of the ball and blah, 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 blah. Um, Freddie Kitchens looks like a Springfield public school system gym teacher. Um, it's very obvious that he his diet consists of Bud Lights and Evan Williams whiskey. I, I, I don't think that he's consumed, consumed solid food that wasn't barbecue or McDonald's in like the last 25 years. He's probably going to die of some kind of a heart issue in the next five months. And that might sound harsh, but it's probably true. And it's clearly affecting his decision-making and his play calling. Baker also struggles under pressure. He turns the ball over too much. He forces the ball into areas where he has no business forcing the ball into. He forgets that he's not playing in the Big 12 anymore. The defenses that he's facing are not TCU or Kansas. He's facing professional football players on the defensive side of the ball. Um, this whole notion that he was some kind of the second coming of Christ in Cleveland is hilarious. I'd rather have LeBron James playing quarterback for me than Baker Mayfield. That's my take. I'm sticking with it. I don't honestly care um, what happens from this point forward in the season or the rest of this dude's career. I don't believe in him. I don't think he's very good at football. I think he's okay at football. I just don't think that he's... Like, if you look back at, like, the 4 draft with Eli and Rivers and Roethlisberger, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I, I don't think that he, in 10 years, is going to be a guy that we're like, is this guy a Hall of Famer? I, I think he's just another failed Cleveland quarterback. But Bryce does have Ezekiel Elliott. He does, in fact, have Kerryon Johnson and Derrick Henry. I mean, his, his running back situation is okay. You know, um, his wide receiver situation, just given <clears throat> the AB situation, is questionable at best. Sanders has had a couple of big gains. He had a dud. Marquise Brown has showed potential as a as a rookie, but we just you know there are a lot of question marks there. He's he seems more like a a young Deshaun Jackson where he has games where he puts up like 180 yards and two touchdowns, but then he'll have a game where he has, you know, two catches for 33 yards. Um, Eric Ebron, Bryce, I mean, if if it was last year, I think your tight end situation was pretty good, but it's not. 
you got DJ Moore, you got Corey Davis, you got Naheem Hines, you got Kyler Murray, but when are you ever going to start Kyler Murray? Um, hopefully soon, because Baker Mayfield's not that good at football. At least in, he's not that good at fantasy football. And you have an empty bench spot because you're not managing your team appropriately. I love you, but you're just, I mean, stash some guys, right? Like, make sure your roster is full. Make sure your bench is filled up with guys. I mean, for God's sakes. Um, so it, does he have staying power? Maybe. I mean, he's got some top-end talent. Bryce could sneak into the playoffs, but he doesn't super scare me uh, as a 2 and one team. The next 2-1 team who scored more points than Bryce is Dave's team. Dave keeps sending me uh, Snapchats. I watch them on mute, so I don't have to listen to him say words to me. Uh, I am just glad he's keeping his pants on this year. That's a step in the right direction, I guess. But Dave, just so you know, I'm not hearing what you're saying, okay? Like, I'm just, I recognize that you're reaching out to me because you feel like a big man. All right, but I'm not. I'm not the 182 pound uh, weakling that I was back in high school. Okay, I'm a 202 pound weakling adult that um, is just as scared of you now as I was back then. So take that for what it is. And because I live so far away from you, I'm gonna start talking some shit. Russell Wilson is a disappointment. The Seattle offense is a disappointment. I don't think they're as good as their record indicates, and that's saying something because they just got beat by the Saints at home with a backup quarterback. Um, It seems like they just decided that they are going to start paying their top-end talent, and just have a bunch of like rookie deal-type guys, scrap heap guys to fill out the rest of their 53-man roster. I don't think that works long-term, um, but it is what it is, and that's what they have to do because they paid so much to Russell Wilson, and yet they continue to decide to be a run-focused offense, whatever. Um, listen... Wilson's going to have some big games. He's going to win you some weeks. There will also be weeks, inevitably, where he just disappears. And the quarterback position this year is kind of just that way. Nick Chubb. uh, I kind of talked about the Cleveland offense a little bit. Um, I think he's probably the highlight of that offense. They don't really seem interested in putting any other running back in that backfield and giving him touches. He was all over the place um, uh, this past game. Aaron Jones is a different story. The Packers, regardless of the new coaching staff, seem dead set on making sure Jamal Williams uh, touches the rock as much as Aaron Jones, which is hilarious. And I'm sorry that you have Aaron Jones as your RB2, but that is going to be um, a splinter in your ass, Cheek, for the rest of the year, and you're just going to have to deal with it. 
DeAndre Hopkins, you know, he had a down week in week two. Um, he's still DeAndre Hopkins. You're going to keep starting him. Uh, more often than not, he's going to have huge weeks because he is one of the three best talented wide receivers in football. T.Y. Hilton. Um, he's a question mark. I mean, he he's not fully healthy, and that offense is just a little bit weird. They're still trying to figure out their identity whenever they are chasing points. He seems to be the target hog, and to me, he seems like a really good flex wide receiver, but not necessarily like a book it, throw it, put it in the bank um, wide receiver two every single week. And you got Delaney Walker, and Delaney Walker plays for the Titans, which means that who fucking knows? Their offense is just hot, hot garbage. Sometimes he's going to have, you know, 89 yards and a touchdown with seven catches. And then sometimes he's going to have three catches for 30 yards. And you just have to ride the wave. That's what the tight end position is in football these days. Um, it's a little bit silly that we even have the tight end position. Why not just add a third wide receiver? And if you have a good tight end, throw him in that spot. Uh, that's a conversation for a different day, I suppose. Frank Gore in the flex. Smart play this past week. Uh... Is he somebody you want to throw in there week after week? Probably not. But your bench looks, you know, slightly less than shitty. Like, you could throw Curtis Samuel in your flex. Everybody else I'm looking at, like, you know, if I've, heard, I've seen you post multiple times about Shark, I, like, okay, go for it, dude. Um, if you want to stake... You know, the ability to make the playoffs and win a fantasy championship on DJ Shark, do it. I, like, okay, but I wouldn't. He's DJ Shark, right? I mean, am I, am I going crazy here? Like, is he some kind of superstar, or is he just, like, the third option on a bad offense, and so he's garnering the attention of their worst defenders and getting open from time to time. And how many games does he do that before he starts garnering the attention of their second best cornerback and then he gets shut down? Or if he beats him, then he starts to garner the attention of their first best cornerback um, or they start bracketing coverage over the top of him and then he gets shut down. Because I don't see any difference between him and D.D. Westbrook or any of these other Conley or whoever else in Jacksonville. He's just a guy. And, you know, if a team spends an entire week deciding, like, yeah, we're going to make sure that a uh, Shark doesn't doesn't have a good game, then he's toast. Because he, he doesn't have, like, play-breaking play ability. He's just a wide receiver who can beat a guy man-on-man. -man. So, I don't know. Unless defenses just decide for the rest of the season... We're just going to let him go one-on-one -on -one for the rest of the year. Maybe he's startable, but maybe not. He doesn't scare me. I mean, or you could start white guy Danny Amendola. Good luck with that. Okay, let's go to the uh, 3-0 and teams. The teams that have uh, lost zero games. Just kidding. we got to start with Austin. Austin's 2-1. and one. Austin's team looks pretty good. Um, not to beat a dead horse, but his tight end situation improved um, with his trade with me. Darren Waller uh, is his tight end, who, you know, at this point seems to be pretty doggone good. 
uh, I guess if you know you need a guy who's going to catch six passes um, right at the line of scrimmage and hope that he's going to get 113 yards uh, in passing every single week. Good. But, I mean, it's the tight end position. So even if he catches, you know, four passes for, you know, 70 yards, that's still a good day from a tight end in today's NFL. Who cares? It's the tight end position, guys. I mean, there are like three guys that matter. Everybody else is a dart throw. Um, it's just a very inconsistent position, and it really should be eradicated from fantasy football. That's a more of a macro uh, conversation, but it is what it is. Let's dig into his actual squad. Uh, the rest of, of the world, you know, he's got Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott's been really good. Dak Prescott also hasn't faced a good defense the first three weeks. He's going against New Orleans, who he will also probably shred. And then we'll have to start having the conversation um, of is Dak Prescott really actually very good at football? I think he might be. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's, you know, a top seven, eight quarterback in fantasy football, um, especially when you consider that he inevitably runs for you know, four or five rushing touchdowns every single year. His weapons look good, even with Gallup out for the next you know, month. He's got some other guys that he can throw to outside of Amari Cooper. Zeke's getting up to speed now. I mean, that's a good quarterback to toss in week after week, especially in a weak, conf- or a weak division. Uh, because every single week I watch football, it seems like that NFC East gets shittier and shittier. So good for Austin for having Dak. Uh, his running back situation is pretty nice. I mean, you've got CMC, um, you know, the Wonder White Bread, and he's going to put up big points, you know, more often than not. Leonard Fournette, in a lot of situations, is going to have at least solid uh, running back two production. He's got the stack with Amari Cooper and Dak. That's really nice to have, and that will win him some weeks. In situations, certain situations, it might lose him a week or two, you know, um, but but it's a good strategy to have, and I'm not going to sit here and, like, beat him up for being aggressive. I think, in general, when you have a good quarterback and a good wide receiver, if you pair the two together, it's more often than not going to play out for you in the positive. You know, his wide receiver, too, at Tyler, with Tyler Lockett is a little concerning uh, because, again, like, I, I just, I still don't believe in the Seahawks. Um, I don't believe in Tyler Lockett. I don't think he's, you know, uh, a guy who can lead a team in receptions and yards and touchdowns, you know, consistently. I, I think he's more of a, a slot guy that will have big days, but he'll have some days where he just gets taken away. But... For Austin's sake, I hope I'm wrong. Mike Williams in the flex. That's another guy who's boomer bust. You just never know. I mean, that guy's going to have games where he scores three touchdowns. You know, he's going to have games, especially if Keelan Allen keeps doing what he's doing, where he's getting, you know, one-on-one matchups against way worse cornerbacks, and he's just going to feast. But there will also be games where he has big drops. There will also be games where... He just can't find himself open, and he's going to get eradicated from the offensive game plan. So he's he's a robust guy, you know. But if you've got a high-powered team like Austin's has, you can throw him in your flex and just cross your fingers and hope. And you know, fifty percent of the time he comes out big, you're in a good you're in a good position. Dub's bench is you know it's fine. Um, you know he's got Trey Quinn out there. He's got Greg Olson who had a big day. Um, 
He's got a couple. Well, he's got Kyle Rudolph sitting on the bench. I mean, like he's got some options at tight end. Uh, Jalen Richard is obviously never going to do anything, but Sterling Shepard is a nice uh, bench wide receiver, a really good bye week fill in with Daniel Jones being the the uh, starting uh, quarterback now in New York. Uh, he's got some nice pieces, and uh, he's going to, uh, you know, injuries aside, uh, be a guy who's looking at you know, a, a, probably a, a bye week in the playoffs type situation. He's got a solid team. Then we got Josh Gillum, who loves to finish uh, between second and fourth every year in fantasy football. I mean, how many how many years have we done this, guys? He starts off really strong. Everybody's looking at his team, and they're like, man, how is Josh Gillum so good at fantasy football? How are we going to beat this guy? But then every year, somebody beats him. So, like, until he wins this league, I am anti-Josh Gillum. I don't believe in him. I don't think that he's going to win this league. And when you look at his team, you can make it. Uh, you can make an assessment as to why he would not. You know, um, Matt Ryan has been embarrassingly bad. David Johnson has been poopy at best. Now Dalvin Cook has been incredible. He's going to have to ride Dalvin Cook. But let's just say for the sake of argument that Dalvin Cook goes down with an injury in the next three to four weeks, he's toast. Because outside of that, he's looking at Julian Edelman, Chris Godwin, Mohamed Sanu. His bench is weak as you could possibly... Like, he's so top-heavy. Let's just listen to his bench. I mean, I don't even have to go that far. I mean, his flex is Mohamed Sanu, for Christ's sake. Devin Singletary, who's been battling an injury on a Bills team. Uh, and also a rookie. Rashard Penny, questionable. Didn't even start last week because he's been a little bit injured. Uh, Jalen Samuels. Uh, hello, James Conner. Jamal Williams. Might split the carries with Aaron Jones 50-50. Best case scenario. Debo Samuel. I mean, after you watched Pettis have that game-winning touchdown this past weekend, like, are, like is there a San Francisco wide receiver that you look at and you're like, that's the guy. No. They're all the same freaking dude. They're, they're interchangeable. Like, nobody separated themselves. I mean, for God's sakes. And then Ronald Jones. I mean, if Ronald Jones is the difference between Josh winning this league or Josh not winning this league, uh, then I will eat a hat. I will eat a straw hat. I will do it on video. You guys can watch me boil it. Um, season it, and then put it in my mouth and swallow it. Uh, but I, he, that's just not going to be the case. So it's a little bit of a top-heavy roster. If everybody stays healthy, he's going to be in the mix. If one guy gets injured, a key guy gets injured, he's in trouble. If two guys get injured, he's in big trouble. And I think that's kind of where I come out on his team. Um, speaking of coming, here's Spencer coming on down the lane. Uh, he is currently in first place in this league. Let's take a gander. Let's have a gander at his roster. Um, you know, I guess probably with, with Spencer, we should start from the top down. 
that would probably be um, the most efficient way for us to go about this. So let's do that. Uh, yeah, some people might look at uh, Spencer's team and say, well, how are we going to beat this guy? He's looking pretty stout, putting up a lot of points. Yeah, he is. Um, the thing is, though, is that Josh Allen, while I think he's going to be a serviceable fantasy quarterback for the rest of the year, is not going to be um, the second coming of Christ um, for fantasy quarterbacks. He's going to have some down games. This week against the Patriots, he very well could have a pretty bad game. They're a good defense, right? You look at Alvin Kamara and you, you look at his usage um, this past week in Seattle with Breeze being out of the picture and you're like, whoa, crap, man. He was on the field all the time. He got all these touches. He's going to be a freaking monster. Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe as teams like Dallas this week uh, look at the film and they look at Teddy Bridgewater they say to themselves, I wonder if Teddy Bridgewater can beat us with his arm and with his legs. I wonder if we take away Alvin Kamara, this Saints team can beat us in football. He might become the focus of every opposing defense going forward. And while I don't think you can fully shut down a guy with his talent, you can definitely mitigate uh, how bad he hurts you. And I think that might be the strategy going forward. So are you going to get many 25, 30-point games from Alvin Kamara going forward? Not necessarily against good defenses. You know, like he may have a couple here and there, but what can you expect? Can, can, you, can you, like, bank on 18 to 23 points? And when you look up and down the rest of Spencer's lineup, is 18 to 23 points from your RB1? enough to keep you undefeated, enough to keep you in the playoff picture with the rest of your roster? I don't know. Because RB2 is Marlon Mack, and Marlon Mack has been decent. Marlon Mack also gets hurt a lot. You know, say what you want about the AFC South. They've got some good defenses in the AFC South. Now, the nice thing is, is that Max got the Raiders and then the Chiefs before his bye. But then he's got Houston, Denver, Pittsburgh before he gets to Miami. Two out of three of those weeks, he might get you 12, 13 points. That's a bit of a scary situation. I think the other thing that's buoying, if you will, if I can use that as a verb... Spencer's point total is Keelan Allen because he has been an absolute nightmare in fantasy uh, in a good way, right? I mean, he's minimum had eight catches per game. His lowest yards total was 98 yards in week two. You know, he had a game, like against Detroit, he didn't score a touchdown, but he had 17.8 fantasy points because he had eight catches for 98 yards. Holy cow, that's really good. Against Indy, he had a touchdown. Against Houston, he had two touchdowns. He had 183 yards against Houston. I mean, that's not bad. And then next week, he's got Miami. And one would think that he's going to 
shred them. Like, why would Phillip Rivers throw to anybody else other than Keelan Allen? There's nobody on Miami's defense that can cover that dude. And he's got Pittsburgh, and he's got Tennessee, and he's got Chicago and Green Bay. Those are two defenses that are pretty good. You know, he's, I'm not saying that he's going to, like, fall off a cliff. I'm not going to say that he's going to, you know, put in, you know, like a, like a 12-point performance during that stretch. But is he going to be putting up, you know, 22 points, 23 points every single week? I mean, he's definitely not going to be putting up 43 points on a weekly basis. You know, just looking at his history. And then the other thing is, like Marlon Mack, the guy is a bit injury prone. And for whatever reason, everybody who wears a Chargers uniform is in danger of getting injured every single week, unless your name is Philip Rivers. Like, guys just get hurt on that team for some reason or another. And you look at, like, the back end of his wide receiver depth. I mean, you got Sammy Watkins, and, like, that, that looks good for now until Hill comes back. But also, it's just like, he's, has he really separated himself from Robinson or Hardman outside of that first week? Not really. He's just one of those guys in the mix. So sometimes he's going to have a big game. Sometimes he's just going to have a game. George Kittle, obviously he's on bye this week, but like in general he hasn't been um, the George Kittle that we knew and loved last year. They, Cooper Cup has been a revelation. I said earlier, uh, you know, I, that underneath stuff stuff for Cooper Cup is always going to be there. He's he gets all those targets that a lot of teams give to tight ends, except he just doesn't have the the body size or the blocking that a tight end gets. Like he is wide open all the time, so his floor is really high. But is he going to have games like he had? This past week all the time? No, 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 no. There will be Robert Woods games. There will be Brandon Cook's games. Um, he's a good flex. He, he, he actually is He's a great flex. He, he's a good wide receiver too. But the consistency may not be there the way that we hope and pray that it might be there as cup owners in, in leagues. You know... Spencer's bench is fine. I mean, benches are tough. Very few people in this league have, like, solid benches. He does have McCoy, um, who has proven himself to be a valuable fantasy asset. Will Fuller, who's, like, fine. This Houston offense is weird, and I I don't feel comfortable starting anybody who's not named Watson or Watkins. um, Or Hopkins, I'm sorry. Whatever. Um... Outside of that, it's just a lot of handcuffs, and then you're waiting on Drew Brees to get back healthy, and you know you're you're not necessarily the juggernaut that I think you probably think you are every time uh, you sit down on the toilet to start rubbing your wiener. What else? I think that's pretty much it, right? Um, I kind of covered the the good teams. I I look at all the bad teams, and I just don't see any one of these teams um, as some kind of like sleeping giant. John Gregg's team, God bless him, number one overall pick was terrible even before Saquon got hurt, and now Saquon's hurt, and who knows how long he's going to be out. 
uh, he would have done well to accept my trade offer, but he didn't, and that's fine. Um, it's funny. It's like you look at his squad, and it, it actually doesn't look too terrible if Saquon had been healthy. I think that he probably would have started to battle back, but now it just kind of looks like a team destined for 500 um, unless he decides to really start getting aggressive. I made my comments about um, John Saad and about Jordan um, and about Dylan. I guess it would be appropriate for me to mention Afro because I haven't yet. And Afro uh, obviously puts a lot of time, thought, and attention into his roster, his waiver ads, his uh, the construction of his team. And so it would be a disservice for me to say, hey, man, um, I'm not going to talk about you. But I am going to talk about you. You deserve it. Because your team, in general, in theory, should be okay. Uh, you went, you gambled. Like, you went heavy on high-end tight ends. I told you on the side earlier this year, uh, I like that strategy. It served me well. I won a championship starting uh, Kelsey, Zach Ertz, and Eric Ebron last year. But Zach Ertz has not been great. And Travis Kelsey has yet to really pop off. Um, he's been, you know, tight end one worthy, but he hasn't really, like, really busted out. And I don't know that he necessarily will until Tyreek comes back because I think that teams are really putting a heavy focus on you know, mitigating his impact on games. Uh, Michael Thomas got bailed out by a one-yard touchdown this past week um, with um, the Breeze injury. It, it really puts his production into question. Your running back situation is scary bad. Chris Carson can't hold on to the football. Uh, I mean, good Lord. Your other options are Darwin Thompson, Kenyon Drake, uh, Raheem Mostert, I mean, yikes, it might be time to start wheeling and dealing, and, you know, you've got my number, so we can have a conversation, and I'm sure that uh, both the Corbett's are hitting you up trying to pillage you uh, as far as trade value is concerned, and maybe another team or two. Um, do what's best for you. You make your own decision. The rest of your team is, like, even when A.J. Green comes back, it's just not the titan that i think you thought that it would be and it's not necessarily your fault i mean brady's been better than i thought that he was going to be um it's just not pretty you're gonna have some big games with a lot of points but you're gonna have a lot of games like you did this past week with like 80 points scored and you're gonna get boat raised which is uh, just an absolute shame you're gonna be one of those guys who totally ruins a team like myself Who's, who's fighting to get into the playoffs at the end of the season. And you'll just out of nowhere come out and beat me by like 60 points and keep me from getting into the playoffs. So I look forward to that disappointment. Anyway, we're through three weeks. Um, I think we're starting to, all these teams are starting to kind of cycle into shape. We, we start to have a, an idea and understanding of um, who's good and who's not, who's for real and who's not. You know, now those things do evolve and change over time. Nothing is is set in stone, um, as Newfound Glory says. 
nothing gold will stay. But I think it's safe to assume that we know who the top talent is in this league. We know who the challengers in this league are going to be, and we know who's going to be just absolutely terrible for the rest of the season. The one and two teams, the two and one teams, those are the that's kind of the meat of this league. And over the next few weeks, we'll we'll start to separate uh, the contenders from the pretenders in that grouping. And I'm excited for it. I'm here for it. A lot of you, since I started this podcast today, have viewed, received, and rejected trade offers from me. That's fine. Um, if you want to sit and rest on the squad that you have and just toil um, in averageness in you know with a team that's not going to win a championship that's that's cool like I'll move on to another team somebody's going to trade with me this year because there are guys out in this league who are interested in winning championships and they realize that you got you got to risk it for the biscuit so it is what it is I'll just put this out there. I'm open to having a conversation about any kind of trade. I love trading. I think it's the most fun part of fantasy football. I think drafting a team and then sitting on the players that you drafted for the entire season as you continue to lose week after week is a really boring um, and silly way to play this game. If you want to have fun, you know, if you want to reach for the stars and try to win a championship, uh, come at me, you know? There's there's nothing there's nothing in the rule book that says that Josiah has to beat you in a trade. You could beat me in a trade. Throw some stuff out there, and let's see. I mean, for Christ's sake, uh, Dylan and Jordan think that, uh, and Dave think that I got waxed in a trade this past week. So, throw stuff at me. Which opens myself up to Dylan sending a, an offer for a kicker to grab my RB1. And that's fine. Like, I've, I have nothing but time. So send those things to me too. I don't care. But let's start mixing it up, guys. Let's, let's move and shake a little bit. And let's realize that none of you are good at drafting, okay? Because most of you have never won this league. And you don't know anything really about football. So throw some darts shoot some stuff my way, shoot some stuff some other guys' ways, and let's shake these rosters up. Let's mix it up and see if we can't make this league a little bit fun. Because otherwise, we're just going to sit here, and once a week, John Gregg's going to send an ESPN article that 75% of us already got the notification on on our phones um, into the group chat. And we're going to all kind of like raise our eyebrows and be like, yeah, that happened. And nothing else will change. We'll scour the waiver wire for guys who aren't very good or who might be good for a week or two. And we'll pretend that it was like a game-changing thing. And we'll, you know, just toil our way through to the end of the playoffs as we get through this boring-ass season. Or we can have some fucking fun and we can start doing some risky stuff because high risk, high reward and uh, be busy. So shoot some fucking offers off to me or other people 
and I'm going to keep firing offers off to you guys and just be honest with yourself. It doesn't matter if you drafted a player in the second or the third or the fourth round. Like, are they performing or are they not performing? What does your team need? What is your record? Do you need to be more risky to get back into the playoff mix or not? Think about all these things and don't, you know, jack yourself off to your ego thinking about how good or like I can't let this guy go because I drafted him super high and Josiah drafted this guy off of you know in the seventh round or this guy picked uh this player up off the waiver wire like you're not like you don't know anything about football anyway so just like be aggressive you fucking stupid idiots over Jordan and what did I see coming for to carry me home there was a band of angels a coming after me coming for to carry me home swing low sweet chariot coming for to carry me home swing low sweet chariot coming for to carry me home well, I'm sometimes up and I'm sometimes down Coming for to carry me home But I know my soul is heavenly bound Coming for to carry me home Swing low, sweet chariot Coming for to carry me home Swing low, sweet chariot Coming for to carry me home Well now if you get there Before I do Coming for to carry me home Tell all my friends that I'm a coming to Coming for to carry me home Swing low, sweet chariot Coming for to carry me home Coming for to carry me home Well now they're coming for to carry me home